Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Listeners, we made it. We're here. It's the end of Discovery Season 3. Welcome to Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. I'm Chris Littlefield, and I've got Bruce Gibson back with me today, who co-hosts The Unready Room very often with uh, Dan Gunther and Brandy Jacola and Positively Trek. Uh, Bruce, what is up? I don't know. I just know that I'm not you, so I don't. I, I'm yeah I do those shows I we we finished discovery right I, like I, I'm just so confused right now because I don't know what to do with myself I I don't know either except there'll be less podcasting for a little while maybe 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 not maybe not well at positively trek we're going to still have podcasts out and we're still going to cover books and comics and just general star trek news and different topics and have guests so that will continue okay cool well you know Dan invited me when he was my guest on this show last time but we haven't set a date yet so oh well then i'll have to invite you and have you on and and you can say to dan well bruce invited me and had me on where you just invited me and didn't have me on (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) well it's good to have you back it's been a little while it has it's been since october is when was it october i think it was october okay because we were talking about lower decks then Maybe it was September. Okay. Yeah, it, I think it's so. It's been a while. I, let's just say I wasn't as cold. I wasn't as cold either. And I'm not talking about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You have a very warm personality now. Do I? Yes. <laughs> okay, well, You're that's You're so clean-shaven. It's just amazing to me. I know. I The other day, I hadn't shaved my head in a little while because I just moved last week. And so... I was like, oh, I need to shave my head. It's getting a little bit scruffy. And so I shaved my head. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to take the clippers to my face. And so I did. It looks good. I like it. Thanks. Do you think I could get away with shaving my head? Yeah. Why not? I don't know. My wife and my daughters won't let me do it. They said, my youngest said my head isn't the right shape to look good. I want to do it. I've always wanted to shave my head. I have thick hair. Well, yeah. I went to get my hair cut one time and I said to the barber, I have thick hair. And he says, no, it's dense. It's not thick. And I was like, okay, we're really going to get picky here with the words. <laughs> but it's like, there's, it's heavy and, you know, and they, I, I don't get because often because of COVID and it's like times are just like, to me, now's a good time because I'm not really going anywhere. Yeah. I'm not, like, go ahead and shave and just see what happens. But not, my family will reject me. It's so wrong. I think you should go for it. I want to be like Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> do it. I think you should just do it and not tell them. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're right, though. It w- I'll uh, look bad in it. It won't last forever. Well, my wife says my hair probably won't grow back. There's a chance. Oh, please. <laughs> She's just trying to get you not to do it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we could do another open channel episode just about if I should get my head shaved or not and just hear what the responses are. (laughs) We could live stream you shaving your head. I would do that. I would seriously do it. If I I was going to shave my head, 
I would like I would be open to live streaming it. Yes. Yeah, you we could do a we could do a special live show. Okay, that's even more tempting. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we've already become unhinged, which is great. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what are we talking about again? No, it's good. Well, we're talking about that Hope Is You part two. Yes, we have a part two. I've been waiting forever for a part two to part one. I know. And because we didn't get accurate titles when season three came out and right before it dropped, we thought maybe there wasn't going to be one in this season. But there is. Right. Which I I, don't give me titles that aren't accurate. I just don't even bother telling me. Yeah. What's the point? I didn't like that. No. Well, I had to readjust my posts a couple times because I pre-programmed them to to just automatically drop at 3 a.m. when new episodes dropped. And so I had to go back and change the titles. And then with Twitter, I had to delete the tweet and then put the right title back. And yeah. Right. Which you'll never do now because you never know what the title will be. No. And I try to be prepared and organized. But so, yeah, we're talking about the season finale, season three discovery. And uh, y'all know how it works. I drop a conversation thread when the new shows air and then you leave your comments and questions and concerns and I read them and if they're too long then I shorten them (laughs) and uh, if you want to join the conversation of open channel type the nexus into the search field and join hollow sweet media's listeners group my intro isn't going as smoothly as it usually does Um, I don't know I think I'm just nervous that you're here Bruce me I make you nervous maybe a little bit Oh. You're such a seasoned podcaster. <laughs> oh, you don't know much then. <laughs> <laughs> you are. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's basically it. Y'all know how it is. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Channel Trek. And I think we should just get into the comments and talk about the freaking finale. Let's go for it. Let's fly. Let's fly. Okay. Our first comment from Suzanne Williamson. I know her. I think I know most people here <laughs> that have said comments. Probably a lot. <laughs> she says, you would think by now people would have learned to not threaten grudge. It always results in the immediate death. Silly peasants. <laughs> <laughs> I knew as soon as he talked shit about grudge that he was going to die. Yes. Right? Well, of course. Because... Yeah. He can talk shit about Burnham, and Book is going to get mad. But if you talk about Grudge, he's going to get really mad. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think Burnham really needs to worry about things because, <laughs> you know, where's where are Book's priorities when it comes to the women in his life? I mean, Grudge was there first. <laughs> his first love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After your first love, it's not quite the same. Oh, that's dark. But we didn't see Grudge in this episode. We didn't, no. So that's a bit sad. At least, you know, at the end, they should have had him, like, standing on the bridge holding Grudge. That would have been pretty cool. They should have, like, put Grudge in a little kitty uniform. (laughs) Like on the, those coffee mugs, the cat trek things. Yes. (laughs) Mr. Sosotris Joshua on Twitter says, Outstanding episode tied up a lot of loose ends but left a few mysteries for the next season gray needs a mobile emitter i love him the massive gaping space around the turbo lifts is still very silly but i guess i can live with it captain burnham yes so yeah there's still a lot of mysteries we don't know a lot of things no 
But we do know that we may see Gray again as a hollow. Right. So that's pretty cool. Well, we know Ian Alexander is in the fourth season for sure. Right. But so. he's but he'll be he possibly will be seen by the rest of the crew though this time. Right. Brandy and I said we're thinking mobile emitter when we were recording what the future holds last night or Thursday night. So I thought that was a cool idea. I still I'm interested to know what the explanation is for why we see him, why he's around, you know? Yeah, it has something yeah, somehow the the hollow program can read him and duplicate him in some way. Well, before that. Before like, that? Oh, yeah. that Adira can see him? Right. Yeah, well that I mean, I'm not an expert. I can't remember, but in DS9, we had Ezri Dax could see her past hosts. Oh. At one point. So it comes hmm. from that. Yeah. Um but then when I'm thinking about the hollow of Gray and Colbert hugs him. I was like, but can Gray feel that? Cause it's just a hollow, you know, it's like, he's, he's not in the hollow. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he is. How can you be in the hollow though? That's the explanation that we don't have yet. Like we don't know why he exists in non-corporeal form, but he exists. Yeah. We just don't know how it works. I just figured the computer was reading him in Adira and just projecting his image so he could be seen and communicate with others, but he's not there. He's still in Adira. I and No, he's there. Like, he's, he's, he's legitimately there, and she's the only one that can see him. We don't know why. We don't have the reasoning for it yet. No, but I mean, I don't know. It's confusing. Yeah. We'll move on. <laughs> Okay, because <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, then we have the uh, turbo lifts. Yeah, what do you think about that? Uh, <laughs> so when I'm watching that, I'm like, oh gosh, I know I'm going to hear a lot of people complain about this. But I know. I think it's I think it's cool actually. It's so cool, right? I mean, to me, it makes sense. I mean, the area does seem too big. It really does. Yeah, but but maybe but the, the idea though, you know, because when you think of the the turbo lifts. They go up and down, or they go sideways, like through corridors. That's how we always assumed, and I think that's the way they were always portrayed to happen on a ship. But it mm-hmm. makes sense that there might be like this hollow area that, you know, if you're going from one place of the ship to the other, you're not going down, then right, and down, then left, or whatever. To get there, it would be like just transporting you across this big open space to get to where you're trying to go. Right. Yeah, I mean, a ship doesn't look like a building, so it's not going to be just, like, horizontal right? and vertical. And I mean, I think it's super cool that the programmable matter adapted with the turbo lifts, and so now it's like, I don't know, I thought it was really awesome. Also, there's going to be more criticisms of this coming up, but, like, how many of you have been on a starship and know exactly how big it is on the inside? Like, we don't have a, really a scale representation we don't know but i want to see that i want to see like a book come out yeah of discovery and show you where everything is and where this space fits into the ship that'd be cool so yeah yeah. i mean i think it's cool i do see where people think it's ridiculous but yeah it could work i mean i didn't think this episode it was ridiculous but in the past in season two i was like okay there's a lot of negative space there but now I was just like, oh, this is so badass. 
Right. I, yeah. I don't know. I want to see how they can explain that a little better. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Fits. Yeah. Well, I was talking to Dan today on Positively Trek, and he's saying maybe it's like a TARDIS thing. It's a bigger <laughs> space in the smaller object. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> but then does that mean like book and Michael and it got smaller as they're riding the they turbo shrink. lifts? They shrink and they're having like, you know, little tiny fights. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody mentioned, uh, I think it was Jay Deuce about, oh, yeah, maybe they shrink like in one little ship. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I only thought shrinkage happens in the water, but maybe it happens oh. in ships too. <laughs> oh Lord! <laughs> Wait, is this the reason? Wait, maybe I shouldn't go there. Go on, let's move on. Let's Rebecca Skipper. She's one of my favorites <laughs> out there. Okay, so on Twitter she says, "I love the character moments with the disco crew and the Kelpian scenes, but the fight scenes were too long. I really like Admiral Vance and Burnham's position as Disco's captain is earned." I hope Saru stays on the show. Love his character. Okay, so I have a couple comments to that. Uh, the okay. fight scenes being too long, I agree. Uh, All and, right. But it's not just on this show, but I have this problem in a lot of other stuff. You know, it's just sometimes, like, I don't mind a fight scene, but sometimes fight scenes just go on and on, <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, I, I don't, I don't want to see this much fighting. And there were times I felt that way in this episode. Oh, I didn't, didn't occur to me. Hmm. Yeah. Like the Family Guy chicken fight? Yeah, exactly. Or the rooster, or yeah. whatever it is. Exactly. That's how it feels like sometimes to me. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like I was bored. It was just like, after a while, I'm just like, oh, I just want this over. Let's move it on. You know, I'm not that much into fight scenes. I don't mind some fighting, but like when it keeps going on forever. But I will say, one thing I'm really happy they didn't do uh, is have uh, Osira shot dead and then all of a sudden she jumps back up again agreed agreed (laughs) yes and i'm glad that they just killed her and it was done like there was no dramatic monologue there was no you know i I was just like yes go away thank you bye (laughs) yeah i appreciated that so yeah and of course you know what rebecca's saying i did like Burnham getting the position as captain. Oh my god, I was weeping. Were you? Isn't it yes. wasn't it emotional? Like Yes. We've been building up for this for 3 years. We have I didn't think I didn't expect it at yeah. the end of the season. I didn't I didn't know it was going to happen. Like the whole thing with Saru taking off with Sukal and then Burnham like I didn't expect it, so it was a big surprise and it it moved me. It it made me cry. It did me too. I wasn't expecting it either. It wasn't like I was going into this final episode thinking, oh, will we see her get promoted to captain? Will it finally be now? No, I wasn't thinking that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I thought we'd eventually see it, but I was thinking we're probably another year or two from it. Like I thought it it would really happen more towards the end of the series, but now it seems like it's happening halfway in the series. And I'm saying halfway because I, assuming we're going to see at least a season four and five, I know we'll see a season four. I think we're yeah. supposed to get a five for sure. And maybe it'll go past that. I hope we get seven. That'd be nice. I hope we get 10. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, keep Absolutely. it going. So. And uh, I th- thought it was interesting about how it was Burnham that was the one that was a little bit lost and finding herself at the beginning of the season. And Saru convinced her, I need you. And then it kind of flipped around at the end. The other yeah. way around. Saru went off to go and find himself a little more. And 
Michael found her place in Starfleet as a captain. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's trying to find themselves at some point. But yeah, they mm-hmm. kind of flip-flopped these yeah. two. Yeah. But Saru's gone. He's not coming back. He's, He's coming gone. back. No, we'll He's... never see him again. <laughs> He's with Non. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> On the seed ship. <laughs> no. Saru's coming back. It's been confirmed. Doug Jones will be back as Saru. Yeah, sure. he's getting like all buff for the season. He's been posting pictures of him and his trainer. Yeah, he's already. Yeah, they're already filming. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He's back. coming back. He's going to come back to Discovery and say, "Michael, thank you so much for taking care of the ship while I was gone. Now get <laughs> out of my chair." <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we'll see him be, turn into more of a diplomat type of situation. Maybe now. I'm hoping, this is what I want, I want to see him become an ambassador. Yeah. and uh, Which is funny because then I saw Doug Jones on the ready room and he says, I don't know, maybe he'll become like an ambassador. I was like, oh, that's what I was thinking too. Yes, let's do that. Wow. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, Or maybe he just decides to open up a bar on the ship and be like Guinan and be like a bartender. He could. He just wants to mix <laughs> drinks. He's like, I'm done. I'm just done with all this Starfleet stuff. Let <laughs> so me just make you a change. Drink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Patrick Carlin says, new badass line from book. She's a queen and good riddance to Zara and Osira. I was cheering when they were both finished off. Several mentions of the new Voyager too. Yay. Also, anyone catch the subtle Calypso nod when Zara mentions an Alcorian Sorrowhawk? No, Patrick, I didn't, but that's awesome. Now, now, now I catch it because you told me. Oh, I didn't even come close to this. Uh-uh. <laughs> Wait, now I have to think through this and like, oh, wow, okay. Cooey. Let's get Patrick on. Cooey. Yeah. I want to talk Patrick through on. this. So it kind of was my like guess at one point that maybe... What's his name from Calypso? Craft. Uh, yes. Craft. Maybe maybe Craft is related to Michael and Book or something. Maybe he's their kid. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> could be. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I never thought of that, but it actually could be. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe he's not his kid, but maybe it's like even like, you know, their great, 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 great grandson, too. Yeah, I don't know. Because we don't know when Calypso takes place. Is it a thousand years after this or a thousand years after the 23rd century? Like, where's this thousand year thing coming in? Well, I read that in, in I just read an article yesterday where they said that it was still in their future. Aha. Uh-huh. So, but that doesn't explain the fact that it was before the retrofit, so. Right. How does that work out? Something isn't right. That just might be an oopsie and they won't talk about it. <laughs> Like on, and I can't remember the name. There's the other short trek, the yeah. animated one where the mm-hmm. Enterprise A was there, but it wasn't Ephraim supposed to be an A. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oopsie, we don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Just go on. <laughs> okay. Well, Jay Dew says, I cried my eyes out when it was realized that our crew could finally see Gray. I have now watched this episode three times, and I am just as emotional watching it the third time as I was the first time. When Michael said she doesn't believe in a no-win situation, I was expecting her to say something like, I had a lover while I was in Starfleet Academy who taught me to always win a no-win situation. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Captain Burnham is the best part of the whole season, and that even includes the whole Grey 
Adira situation, which has had me join in the Nexus as much as I have. Jay, that's fascinating that you that you that you that you like that more than the Gray Adira thing. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, everything's cool, <laughs> even the no win situation. Yeah, and Jay was very creative with their comment about the personal log. There was a reflection back to how in eight hundred and two episodes, this is the second episode where the character became a captain in the season finale. Um, and there was a DS9 Benjamin Cisco kind of rewriting of the personal log situation, but I didn't, I wasn't able to add all of that, Jay. But it's a great comment, and thank you for leaving it. Yeah, because Cisco got promoted to captain at the end of season three, mm-hmm. and Michael got promoted at the end of season three. Right. So, I thought that was brilliant to point that out, Jay. Yeah. So yeah, if we ever like serve on the starship we could end up being the captain by the end of season three of our show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if I, if I, if I ever become a, a commander on a Star Trek series and I'm not the captain, at least I have hope by the end of season three, I might be the captain of the show then. Yeah. Never give up hope. No, no. That hope is you. <laughs> Part two. <laughs> All right. Karen Hasha says, please excuse any typos I may make. I'm still crying. Oh, Karen, don't cry. I hope you're not still crying. That'd be a really long time. You'd be a little dehydrated. Drink some water. I was so glad they brought back Sahil to close the arc in that Hope is You Part 1. Sahil was reaching out into the void and failed to make a connection to the Federation. This episode ends with the Federation reconnecting in many ways, not just with Sahil and I imagine other outposts like his, but to former member worlds. Stamets, Culber, Adira, and Gray are a family now, and I can't wait to see what they come up with to make Gray visible to everyone, to allow him to make his own connections outside of Adira. I like that, Karen. Owo is a serious badass, but we knew that. To stay with the theme, she has to break a connection, a physical one this time, that is harmful in order to save Discovery. Another connection that I think has been damaged is the relationship between Stamets and Burnham. The little moment in the end has given me hope that they'll heal their relationship, but they're not there yet. They are not. They did not deal with it except for the little shady look that Stamets gave Burnham. Yeah, he's not a happy camper. No. But you know what? She's the captain. (laughs) she's the captain now yeah he can be bitter all he wants and he often is (laughs) yeah i mean i'm sure they'll work it out but she could always just say stamets if you don't shape up and improve your attitude you're out of here and stamets will say you can't do that to me michael you need me to run the spore drive and then she'll look at him and say have you seen book have you met him he can now do it i don't need you (laughs) (laughs) I'm the captain. Get off my ship. Yeah, maybe that's why he's really upset, because he knows, great, there's somebody else that can do this now. It's not just me. Oh, he's not as special anymore. He's not as special. No. Oh, damn. (laughs) I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And and now, if anything, I mean, all kidding aside, we, we could start worrying about him as a character that 
could die at some point. Like, you know, an away mission or something, something's happening, and we could just say, well, you knew he, they weren't going to kill him because they need him for the spore drive for the show. Well, now that's not necessary. Now it's moot. Right. Ugh. And I was really happy to see Sahil again, too, Karen. Oh, my gosh, yes. Finally. I've been waiting. Yeah. My wife was beaming at that point when we were watching yeah. it. Beaming? Like, you, you have transporter technology? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she saw Lieutenant Sahil, she was just beaming all over the house. I couldn't find <laughs> what room she was in. <laughs> like Boimler? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she was doing the Boimler effect. <laughs> <laughs> How do we get from Sahil to Boimler? That's really cool. I don't know. <laughs> because we're us. <laughs> we are us. So Liam's smart. He's so smart. I bet he's never heard that before. <laughs> Probably never. Anyway, Liam says, overall, I enjoyed it, but I think I was expecting more. Maybe that's because I hyped my mind up for some awesome sphere data gonna wreck shit up for the Orions and we didn't get that. Not to worry, though, for the most part, this season has kept me guessing, and I appreciate that. The idea of insufferable grief causing the burn could have been cliche, but I liked the science attempt at explaining it, so I'll pass it. The turbo lift scene shit me off. Sorry, it just doesn't really make sense to me spatially. Beautiful CGI, OMG, and the acting was spot on. The going into the programmable matter was... different... so that's what it was right she was that was like the is that what you think it was programmable matter core situation that's what i think it was i've heard others say that too i assume that but that's what i guessed but you know dan and i were talking on our show when we were recording about our review he was saying well are are you supposed to die in that because osira just assumed once she put burnham in there that she was gone right right but obviously, it doesn't kill you. So mm-hmm. what what do we expect from this programmable matter? Like, if you go into it, can can I walk into that room and just, like, go swimming in the programmable matter and it doesn't do anything to me? I don't know. I mean, she coughed it up, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want... I'm so glad that you're the guest this week because I wanted to ask you and Dan about that scene when Burnham got pushed into it, did it remind you of Janeway's death? And I can't remember the novel when she got sucked into the Borg, Borg cube. Mm, it didn't remind me of it, but now that you say it, yes. I, because yeah. when she got sucked in, it felt like a call, like it reminded me of what that scene must have looked like, like kind of in my head, you know, when the cube yeah. enveloped Janeway and it took went into her mouth and her face and pulled her into it, it absorbed her, you know? Well, I you know when that happened to Burnham, I, and maybe this is because in the back of my head that scene from Janeway was in there, but you know I was expecting her to maybe even come back out of that, and she's almost like looking like she's half machine or something. Right. Yeah. Same. You know, not Borg, but right. something. You know, on her instead of just coming out of it and coughing a few pieces of matter out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder what it tastes like. I don't know. Programmy, yeah, kind of metallic, maybe. But again, Liam's saying about the turbo lift scene, mm-hmm. it shit him off. There was a lot of kvetching about that. Yeah, but I do like that you l- in- ended up liking 
the attempt to explain the burn Liam because I thought it was really creative and cool. Like I didn't need a dramatic epic explanation for it. I thought it was really interesting. Well, I thought it was interesting too, because who would have guessed that? Right. Right. I mean, we're all saying like, Oh, what caused the burn? Did the Federation do it? Was it something on purpose? Maybe the Orions were behind it. You know, maybe it was just some kind of natural disaster. You know, we're all, no one said maybe it was one person that was crying. Mm. (laughs) Brandy guessed that it was the mother's death that upset him that much. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. And she thought because it upset him, it would cause the burn? Well, it was after, I guess it was after we knew that something weird happened when he got upset because of his connection to the dilithium. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, by that point, we can start putting the pieces together, but not earlier in the season. Like, who would have ever thought this is the direction it would go in? No, no idea. But I... It felt like a very Star Trekky way to kind of explain something yeah. to me. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, I'm kind of glad that, you know, Brandy's not in that environment as much as she cries during these episodes. <laughs> we would have multiple burns. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be burns three or four times a week. <laughs> Always on Thursday. Well, she got screeners, so before Thursdays, too. She and did. Then she rewatches it. So, but she didn't get a screener for this last one. I heard she did. Oh, because I was on the yeah. I I, sh- I was on the unready room, and she was saying she hadn't seen it because she didn't get her screener. At least at that point, she told me she had already seen it, and this was I think on Monday when she told me. So, so she, it was maybe they got after. it late. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hmm. Wow. Aren't we special? Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. You know why they do that? They're trying to calm her down so she doesn't cause the burn. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, did you get those screeners to Brandy? You know what's going to happen if we don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to a few of your questions and concerns, listeners. Yay. We have Karen Hui says, it was a fun end overall to the season. The action scenes were exciting, but please, please never show us the turbo lift highway again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine with Michael taking over as captain. It was inevitably going to happen. I just wish Saru had been given a better on-screen send-off with some actual dialogue. Saru is my favorite Discovery character, so I'm worried about how much we'll see him in Season 4. I know... Michelle Paradise said Doug Jones will be back, but that doesn't necessarily mean we'll see him a lot. Hmm. That's I can I definitely understand that concern. Yeah. But I, I think they're going to write him in in a way that he's always on discovery doing something. I hope so. I really do. I I love I love Saru. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that cuz somebody will write in and say, "I don't <laughs> oh, Saru sucks. No, he doesn't. Saru's amazing. And so is Doug Jones. But yeah, I think he will be on the ship doing, like you said, something diplomatic. And Discovery is his host ship that's taking him to these diplomatic missions. Something to that effect. And maybe he and Tarina are going to hook up a little bit too because they have a nice connection. Is that what you're hoping for? Somebody mentioned it. It might have been Dave, Brandy's husband. Or, I don't know, maybe it was even Brandy. Somebody had mentioned that they have a little, they're into each other. Yes. Which I'd be okay with. <laughs> yeah, even Dan thinks that, too. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know, we'll see. 
I don't know, Karen. I, I, I feel bad for Linus because ever since Giorgio left, Linus has been hiding because I think he's depressed that she's gone. Okay. Did you know that young Sukal was David Benjamin Tomlinson, who plays Linus and the Beetlejuicean from the first episode? I didn't even realize that. Yes. I looked it up, and it was it was him. Well, then it wasn't they a child just, actor. Why didn't they just leave him as J- Linus, and Linus caused the burn? That would have been cool. <laughs> With his, when he molted. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's good. I don't know. All right, Janessa Kiharta is back after a long hiatus because she was not able to catch up weekly on Discovery. But Oh, why is that? I don't know. Just oh, okay. busy, I guess. Janessa says, My thoughts on this are all over the place. On one hand, I think I'm starting to understand where my dissatisfaction with season three comes from. It's the uncritical patriotism and transparent attempts to emotionally manipulate the audience with all the subtlety of Negan's bat. Granted, that's been part of Discovery since the beginning, but it's been more obvious to me this season. On the other hand, after the events of this week in America, that emotional manipulation works. Maybe it's just me, but I couldn't help but notice the political parallels between some of Discovery's finale and the current situation in this country. About restoring connections and the Federation's place in the galaxy and thinking it could be an analogy for America emerging from the last four years with hope on the horizon. I don't think the writers set out to do that on purpose, but it was effective. Also, we need to talk about why the USS Discovery is 900% bigger on the inside and 95% empty space. No, we don't, Janessa. We're just not talking about it The anymore. TARDIS effect, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Janessa, I... Just a few... Like, I love the Walking Dead comparison with Negan's Bat, but I, I don't understand maybe bruce you can help me that there's uncritical patriotism i don't get that comment but yeah going back to how discovery this season especially has been very parallel with what's been going on in this country and the world and it's like basically week to week we've noticed similarities janessa so um maybe it's because you weren't able to watch it weekly but we we talked about it on what the future holds a lot that even that because of the delay of season 3 coming out somehow that was like a divine purpose that discovery would come out when it did season 3 anyway because it was so similar like we on a weekly basis with what's been going on what do you think i think it's a lot of it's a coincidence and i think it's because uh, a lot of things that happen in sci-fi that take place in as a mirror to our world isn't necessarily planned to comment on what's currently going on, but it's things that just happen to happen, just happen at the same time. Like there's coincidences, coincidences in that. And what I'm trying to say is uh, Greg Cox came out with a new novel and he wrote it and finished it early 2020 before the presidential election in the U S in November. But when his novel came out, it came out the week of the election, and there were so many parallels to what happened with the election in his novel with what was happening in the U.S. election. And when we had him on our show, he was like, I swear, I didn't know any of this was going to happen. It's just a coincidence. And I feel like it's the same thing with this. It's like these things that happen in our world are things that have been have repeated themselves 
that happened in different places, but just so happens to be happening here. I, I don't know. Does that make any sense? <laughs> it does. I just, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's like divine intervention. I think it's like the universe saying, no, we're going to, we're going to make it so discovery can't come out when you wanted it to so that we can help the world and society get through what they're going through by showing them themselves. Yeah. In Star Trek a little bit, you know, I think it's, I think it's a divine intervention per personally. There you go. I don't really believe necessarily in coincidences either. I'm always looking for the me deeper meaning in things. I'm always looking for Saru to serve me a drink. <laughs> By the way, that Greg Cox novel is called A Content, A Contest of Principles. Okay. It sounds good. It's a good book. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. Especially okay. after the election. For sure. All right. Well, Janessa, thanks again. I guess the uncritical patriotism you mean patriotism to the federation and stuff but yeah i mean emotionally manipulating the audience that's just kind of writing <laughs> right yeah. this is definitely the most emotional of all star trek series oh yeah yes this is what I, i've been saying this all ever since brandy and dave and i started the other show that it's definitely the most em emotionally intelligent of all star trek and the most empathic of all star trek yeah I saw somebody criticizing uh, Discovery. What? Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Oh, my God. But uh, I actually thought it was funny because what he, what he was pointing out is he's like, wow, the show that cries every week, it sounds like the burn is caused by crying. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> So, Nicholas Paul Collinson says, There were a few things that I found a little disappointing, mostly in terms of the payoff for The Burn and Osira, but overall I found it really satisfying. I still find the revelation that The Burn was caused by one bereaved Kelpian a little anticlimactic, but, but it still worked really well in the episode. I think it was mostly built up too much by previous episodes that made us expect something more epic. Likewise, I thought Osiris' demise was a little bit unceremonious. Honestly, the only really big problem I had with <laughs> was with the turbo lift scene. Here we go. <laughs> Where the hell does that giant cavernous space fit inside the ship? <laughs> I honestly hate those scenes so much. I wish they'd go back and get rid of them from all previous episodes. It's just needless pop and fizz from the special effects team to show off, and it makes no sense. My standout <laughs> favorite moment was Awosikin saving the day, and just as you think she's about to sacrifice herself, she's saved by the dot 23. Yes, beautiful moment of tension and triumph, and I love where this is going with the Sphere Data AI, a caring, nurturing, benevolent, sentient AI. Yes, more of that. No more robot uprisings. No more AI turning on its creators. Give me AI who love their creators unconditionally. <laughs> oh, there's so much here. Uh, I know. Let's see. What do I want to comment on first? The, uh, well, first, okay, yeah, we've already talked about the the turbo lift scenes yeah. and stuff. You know, I don't. I, they're not going to go back and fix it, but mm -hmm. it, it did feel like they were riding through a city. It just. It did seem a little bit big hmm. much but okay that's all i'm gonna say to that uh i'm i'm glad he mentioned the dot 23 because yeah. i love them 
I know, me too. I'm glad that they brought the one back to life that saved Awoshikun. Yeah, now the sphere data was kind of behind, you know, helping with, you know, the dot 23s and stuff. But why isn't this... Why isn't the sphere data like helping them just like why why can't it prevent Osiris from taking over the ship? My wife asked me that the other day and I was like, I think I should know the answer to that, but I can't think of what it is. Because it hasn't evolved to the point where it can do that. It's still evolving. Like it's just only started interacting with the crew a few times. But at the end of season two, it was like controlling the ship. Well, it was not letting itself be destroyed. Right. I don't know. But couldn't it still prevent... It's best not to overthink <laughs> these things. <laughs> well, could, couldn't the sphere data make that space where the turbo lifts are just a little smaller? <laughs> right. Or like programmable matter them in or something? Yes. I don't know. So anticlimactic burn thing. I get that too, but we've talked yeah, about that. I did want to say that when I watched this episode... When Osiris says, get the hell off my bridge, I like was like immediately wanted to say, this is not the hell your bridge. Right? <laughs> like Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, they are yeah. not the hell your whales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was satisfied that Osiris is gone. Yeah. And I can't like, we went off about her accent, her ever changing accent. And I, I couldn't handle that. I think she's a great actor and I love the character. I love what she does with the character, but the accent was so inconsistent. It drove me nuts. What is that? Why, I mean, why, why was that? I didn't, it wasn't as much in this episode as the last. It one. was worse in this episode. Oh, right. I've noticed it more in the last, ep- the previous episode. Maybe you just like got used to it. Maybe. Yeah. Well, Brandy and I both thought it was worse in this episode. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what, it, I don't know, honestly. I don't know. It is strange because I have to go back, but I did see the actress being interviewed once and I didn't notice it then. I want to go back and see that again to see if she changes accents or maybe her accent's a little wonky. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But she's dead. (laughs) She's dead. So we can't even ask Osira about her accent now. Well, I had canoned it, which will be on the next What the Future Holds 2 and and that maybe she just moved around a lot as a kid. And since she was all over the place, she picked up all these different accents. And she never really developed a consistent way of speaking for herself. Well, sometimes do people, you know, sometimes people will change their accents depending who they're talking to. Mm-hmm. I, I do that sometimes. Sometimes my southern accent comes back. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe the situation that somebody's in. You know, if she's just like casually talking to somebody, she's talking one way. But then all of a sudden, if she becomes more serious, all of a sudden she starts talking, you know, her accent, like she just emotes in a different way. Yeah, like the classic, oh, they're evil, so it's a British accent. Yeah. Or like when a politician visits the South and all of a sudden they have a Southern accent. <laughs> I love watching those YouTube videos of Hillary Clinton with her yeah, different that's, accents. That's exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pandering. That's called pandering. Osira is the Hillary Clinton of Star Trek. <laughs> Not Well, <quite. laughs> no. Definitely not. Don't I take mean, that the wrong way. I'm just talking about with accents. <laughs> yeah, just ac- accentually. Yeah. 
<laughs> Where is Hillary? We need her on the show. I would love. Well, she did retweet her "delete your account" tweet to Trump the other day, oh, really? which I thought was brilliant because you know we don't have to listen to any more Trump tweets, which is awesome. I know, but you know what? Now that he's leaving office in a week or two, uh, now his tweets would be more entertaining because we don't have to take him as serious. <laughs> it's kind of scary because it's like quiet. Like he's he's hushed. Like he's literally hushed and quiet. And so I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? It's what's the going calm before the storm. Oh, God, please no. Can we not have any more storms? You know, what's interesting, though, is we're talking about this now, and this episode doesn't drop for a couple days, that what we're talking about now, people might be going, wow, these guys didn't realize what really was coming up, because something could right. be happening by the time this episode drops. That's true. Yeah, you never know. <sighs> It'll drop Monday, so there will be articles of impeachment introduced on Monday. And uh, <laughs> so what what's going on today? We don't know. We don't know. Welcome to the future. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to some final thoughts about Star Trek Discovery and get away from American politics for a few moments. <laughs> please, please, yeah. let's do that. So Rob Vaughn on Twitter says, well, what can I say apart from I didn't like it? I freaking loved it. A great mix of action and emotion, bringing one of the best seasons of Trek to a close. What Vance told Burnham about doing things different applies to Discovery. This show may do Star Trek differently than other Trek shows, but the message of hope and optimism is still the same. And as the world is showing, we need that message more than ever. Amen, Rob Vaughn. That tweet we do. Uh, is a good tweet to follow what we were just talking about. <laughs> it is, yeah. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like you know when he says, like, you know, this is doing Star Trek differently. Yeah. There's times where I see people... There's more than one person that doesn't like Discovery, by the way. I've seen it online. But okay. I, uh, these people that don't like Discovery, they'll say, like, you know, it's not Star Trek. And I always want to say, you're right. It's not. It's Star Trek Discovery. It's a different right. show. Yes. So exactly. it can be different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, Mork and Mindy is different than Happy Days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're in the same universe. I don't know why I went with Mork and Mindy of all things. The Golden Palace is different than Golden Girls. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> well, no, that, that one I have to rule against. <laughs> well, yeah. I, yeah, it's fine. You should. <laughs> and it's funny. I, I know what you're talking about. So. Oh, nice. Yes, their little hotel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an evolution of Trek. You know, either you're with it or you're not. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Noe Santos says, Captain on the Bridge. This episode really stuck the landing for me. It was an awesome way to end this three-season mega-arc that will have our brave crew truly discover more about themselves slash Starfleet going into the fourth season. There were so many cry points for me in this episode, but I think the biggest takeaway is that we cannot lose our connection to one another if we ever hope to achieve Roddenberry's dream. Let's fly. Oh, isn't that great, Bruce? Do you like the line, the let's fly? I do. Me too. Yes. I loved it. I loved it. Because you, I mean, I was like, oh, they're going to make a moment out of this. What's she going to say? What's she going to say? What's she going to say? And there was just enough dramatic pause, you know, mm-hmm. that they're like, wait for it. Wait for it. Boom. I thought it was great. Yeah. And to the point about many cry points, I, 
yeah, I definitely have had more cry points. There, there's more times where I've been emotional watching Discovery than any other Star Trek series consistently. Yeah. But I also notice that the older I get, the more sensitive I get. So, Aww. you know, great. Now Discovery comes out when I'm getting more sensitive and I'm turning into Brandy and I'm crying more. Anyway, I'm not crying <laughs> now. That was fake cry. Oh, it was? Oh, that, okay. That was my fake cry. I don't get that emotional. I just get a little teary-eyed. Yeah, I I don't I guess I get more sensitive to the older I get, but I've always been really sensitive. I think I just have honed it or I'm learning to hone it more as a strength. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why I'm getting more sensitive. Is it something with age? Sometimes I wonder if it's because I'm married and now I have two daughters and they made me soft. <laughs> well, just because they're girls doesn't mean that they're more sensitive than boys. There are soft, sensitive boys, too. Well, no, I don't mean it that way. It's just more that I'm softer because I, I mean, when my, what I'm trying to say is in my single days, it was just me. It was all about me. But now it's about my wife and my kids. And because I have a family, it's made me softer. You know, it's, it's called growth, Bruce. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, you're growing up. I'm going to cry. you're supposed to be you're supposed to get more sensitive i think i guess it means you're growing okay you don't like it well it's just you know it's kind of nice feeling to know that at my age i'm still growing yeah i still need to you know measure my feet to see if i can still fit my shoes (laughs) (laughs) i don't know I don't know either. Your nose and your ears keep growing. Well, that that has always happened. <laughs> Every time I tell those lies, my nose grows. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. Okay, um, good. All right, so Baz Greenland says, A satisfying ending to the season. The coda was lovely from the old faces, particularly Sahil to Captain Burnham to the classic Star Trek theme. And love that Michael is now in the captain's chair. Continuing Discovery's trend of having a new captain each season without killing or demoting Saru. (laughs) (laughs) I hope he is still a big part of season four. I'm generally excited for more of Star Trek, the next, 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 next generation. (laughs) Cute. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, I like the point of not killing or demoting Saru. <laughs> I was concerned about Saru this season. I really was. I thought his command style would come into question by Vance and, and that he would tr- get too involved on the Kelpian side of things that he isn't doing what he needs to do in his job and he would lose the chair. But he well, didn't he lose the chair. He temporarily gave it up. Yeah, I, this is, like I said, it's the inverse journey of michael right like he started drifting further away from what he knew his place was or what he thought his place was and they just it's like they they did this they had this opposite journey you know and they met each other in the middle when he asked her to be number one and then it started drifting apart again it's also very much of a growth to his character because when you think back to season one and how he sees her surpass him And he doesn't like that. You know, he doesn't Mm -hmm. like that she's surpassing him and he wants to be in the captain's chair. And now he's achieved all that. And he's willing to just say, you know what? It's not that important. And you know what? I have something else I need to do. And, you know, Michael can have the chair. Let her become captain. I mean, Saru of 
three seasons ago probably wouldn't have said that. No. As he ate mm-hmm. his blueberries. No, yeah, and Michael of three seasons ago wouldn't be the captain. Right. You know, these characters grow and change a lot, and I really like that. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um. So J.J. Becker left a comment right before we started recording, so I'm just going to read it. Um, J.J. says, this episode was great. I really love how they wrapped up the season, setting us up to trek into the future in season four. It's no secret a lot of fans have been craving a series that will explore the future of the Federation, and it looks like we're finally getting it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And JJ mentions that he's a baker and that he's been. This is a busy time. So, um, oh. where's where's our snacks, JJ? Yeah. Like bake us something. Bake us something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually kind of getting a little hungry right now. Anyway, so. Yeah, me too. Something with frosting. Yes, and or glaze. Yeah, design something Starfleet on it, too. Mm-hmm. A Troy cake. <laughs> Troy cake. But yeah, I'm interested to see what happens in season four. Uh, I mean, not. I mean, of course, with our characters, I'm always interested in that, but I'm really interested in seeing how the Federation is put back together and what worlds join the Federation and and how that all comes about and, and how our crew helps in that. I'm really curious to see how that plays out. It really is going to... It all feels like Star Trek, but that feels really Star Trek. That season four feels like it's going to be like, I don't, I don't know how much it's going to be an overall season arc. I'm sure it will be, but I have a feeling we'll see more episodes that are kind of standalone-ish as yeah. they're dealing with different worlds. Yeah, and I like that we weren't we weren't doing that right away. Like, I think it's been a really cool, like Noe says, a mega arc. Yes. You know, I like that, like... Little by little, the format of the show itself has changed too, you know? Yeah. But I like it. Do you like the uniforms? The new ones? Yeah. Yeah, actually, I kind of do. Um, I do and I don't. Uh, okay. So I've heard some comments where people have said about the uniforms don't look right in that bridge setting, and I can see that. Uh, but they are 32nd century uniforms on a tw- 23rd century bridge. <laughs> so that has something to do with it too. But I like that they're that kind of gray color because it kind of reminds me of the motion picture. Not that yes. those were all those popular uniforms, of course, which by the way, I just rewatched that movie last week for the umpteenth million time. And so seeing this episode and seeing them in those uniforms, I was like, oh, I'm getting flashbacks to the motion picture. I kind of like that. But I nice. also went... I saw a shot, and I don't think it was in the show, but I saw a image online of Burnham sitting in the chair, and the uniform didn't look like it was fitting right on her. Hmm. So I don't know if they spent as much time as they normally would for uniforms since it was this one scene, because I'm wondering if these uniforms really fit right, but my prediction is they will not be in these uniforms when the season starts in, with season four. Oh, interesting prediction. I, but you also have to... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it, and the reason for that is the Federation is now changing. So it would make sense that the Starfleet uniforms, which change often, would change at this period of time in Starfleet. And there would be a mm-hmm. whole new set of uniforms that all Starfleet is wearing. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Do you like the uniforms? I do like the uniforms a lot. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. I like that they're tunicky. Yeah. You know, and I think I think they're really cool. I I'm I'm a fan. I love the collars. Yeah, I'm a fan of seeing Tilly in science blue, and 
Yeah, I like it. You know, and regarding Sinequa, you remember she's she was pregnant while they filmed this season too. Oh, maybe that's so, why I didn't think it fit quite right. <laughs> yeah, she's she was she was she was pregnant. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they had to do a lot. I'm sure that as she started showing, they had to do a lot of creative shooting, and she didn't let up. Like she was action packed the whole time. Yeah. So to your point about the Tilly Science Blue, so when I recorded with Dan Gunther earlier today. He had told me that he saw somewhere that they digitally changed the color, that she was wearing red in that scene, and that the writers realized they didn't want to paint themselves into a corner and address that she's wearing command red, so they wanted to give her her original colors, which are science, and then in season four decide what direction they take her character in. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. And then That's on the smart. show, I get, I told Dan that I predict that she will get promoted to lieutenant and be the first officer under Burnham. And yes. during our recording, Dan said uh, that he thinks he saw that she may have been wearing the stripes or whatever for lieutenant. And so on the show, he went back to the episode and he saw Owa's stripes. And it was identical to what Tilly has on her collar. And Owo is a lieutenant. Oh. So Tilly may already be a lieutenant. I haven't gone back and looked at that yet, but she may already be a lieutenant. And we just haven't all noticed it yet. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's cool. Unless that was a decision made on the set that she was wearing command red and lieutenant stripes. But then they changed their mind, changed it to blue, but they couldn't change the collar. And then right. next season we'll find out, oh, she's still an ensign. But wait, I thought she had lieutenant. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out for mm-hmm. sure at some point. Yeah. So how, how has it been being back on this show and reading everybody's comments? What would you think of everybody? I purposely haven't read many comments online. And... uh I I'm, I'm, was planning to, so I'm glad that this is my first real look at what people are saying about this episode. A lot of this didn't surprise me about the turbo lifts, of course. Um, but everybody seems very either really loving this episode or really liking the episode. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's little nitpicks here and there, but that's always going to happen. But I, I agree with probably the majority of the comments in here. Yeah, me too. And I... Like, I just have to say, like, seeing Michael get promoted to captain was huge. Like, the fact that we saw that, first of all, that we have a black woman captain in Star Trek now is incredible and earned and way past due. But I really like that they've shown us her journey to get there. We weren't automatically given the her as captain at the beginning we knew she was the lead character but we had to see her in all of her mistakes in her victories and her successes and failures earn her way to that position and i i really like that we saw that i think that it's really a gift to be able to watch that journey especially the fact that in society black women have to work and black people in general and people of color in general have to work so much harder to achieve and to accomplish their goals. So I'm, it, it, it really, really touched me and moved me. And I'm, I mean, I'm just so excited that she made it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I am too. And again, this is earlier than I expected, but mm-hmm. it's great because 
to your point, it makes sense if you're going to have a series where the lead character is supposed to be the captain. How it's great to see how that person gets there and grows right. to become that person. And now that she is that person, we can see for the next few seasons, and I'm hoping for next few, mm-hmm. that we'll see how she is as captain. You know, we've got her backstory. Now she's the captain, you know, and now we get to see that seasoned Starfleet officer take command. And you're right. An African-American woman. I mean, this is like, we've only had one captain who was African-American leading a series. And we've only had one female captain leading Mm -hmm. a series. And now this is round two for those into one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's yep. great. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about. I'm all about it. Yeah. Well, Bruce, thank you for coming back on again, and I'm glad that you're here for the finale. Thank you so much for being here again. I love hanging out with you. Thank you for having me. I love this. It's fun. Yeah. And tell our listeners where they can find you, please. Well, I guess you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Admiral underscore Rex. And you can find me on Positively Trek, our podcast, uh, Dan Gunther and me do that. And of course, occasionally on the Unready Room, the live show with Brandy and Dan. Where else can you find me? I'm on a recent episode of The Janeway that just came out, episode 12. That's right. So check that out. And I'm occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast. Uh, I haven't been in the last two episodes i think but i i I show up probably every other or every third episode of that just occasionally and also um hey we've got a a discussion group positively track discussion group on facebook that's really active and very positive about star trek and if you want to come just uh ask to join us and we'll let you in nice thanks again bruce good to see you you too You can join the Open Channel conversation on Twitter and Facebook by following us at Open Channel Trek and by joining our listeners group on Facebook by typing the Nexus into the search field. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CD Littlefield. Keep an eye out for my Open Channel conversation threads on Facebook and Twitter, which I will post every Thursday right before each new Star Trek episode drops. Thanks for listening to Open Channel. Channel Open, standing by. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I did kind of like the idea that he had the armory to work in. That was like his main mm-hmm. his main workspace, I guess. I found that quite different and that excited me. I think they kind of moved away from that a little bit as the show went on. Yeah, as we went on. It definitely appeared more in the first season i think and maybe the second then it did the later ones did you ever become attached to malcolm as a character i wouldn't necessarily say attached but i always i enjoyed most of the the times that he was on screen and interacting with the rest of the crew for me i was i was more attached to trip so yeah yeah i guess i guess it makes sense that you and i are doing a podcast together (laughs) yeah yeah. loading hollow suite preview program for there are four questions a star trek spotlight podcast that felt pretty cool and that's when I, I really really started connecting with star trek when i was actually here and on on the level of creator as opposed to fan so 
that was where I started getting, it was like, hey, I could do this. I remember writing, <laughs> I sent this letter to him. I wrote to um, Eric Stilwell before I moved to, to Los Angeles and asked about the the rules for submitting a script and all that stuff. And then I had this idea, never heard back from him. Loading Holosuite preview program for Ladies Trek Library, women with a passion for Star Trek books. One of the reasons I was excited to read this book was because it's called Uhura's Song. And we don't get a lot of books where Uhura is a main character. Um, and she was my favorite character from the original series. So I was excited to see a book about her. And I, and I like how, and I was thinking about the, uh, the Broadway play Cats because they kind of used cat names that, that reminded me of the names in this book. So, and, and this book was written in 85, so it could have been inspired by cats in that way. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.